I want to thank um, Saul and uh, Harbor Group for giving me the opportunity to share with you some Torah here this afternoon uh, at this auspicious time of the Yontav of Hanukkah, and thank you, of course, uh, for coming. The, uh, it's widely understood that the seven branches of the Menorah represent the seven wisdoms of the world, <coughs> with the middle branch corresponding to Chachmas HaTorah. <coughs> and the Pasuk tells us in Parshish Ba'alois, Chalmur Pnei HaMenorah, Hela Neiroseha, that all of the uh, outer, the flames at the top of the outer six branches of the Menorah uh, were bowed, were prostrated, leaning in towards the uh, flame on the top of the center branch of the menorah, which represents the Chachmas HaTorah. And this is in order to indicate that the other six wisdoms of the world uh, can contribute to our understanding and application of the mitzvahs of the Torah, but also perhaps can be derived and extrapolated from and called from the Torah itself. But it primarily represents that the Torah is at the center of everything else that we're engaged in, of everything that we do. And this is uh, most uh, strongly uh, defines what Harbor Group seems to be about and what, uh, of course, uh, our dear Yedid Saul Lubetsky is all about. That while he's engaged in many other things, everything is defined by the Torah that is in the middle of it. It was only a few months ago that I remember hearing him explain uh, emotionally um, the importance of being a committed religious, religious Jew while in the workplace, uh, primarily with regards to honesty, uh, integrity, responsibility, and charity as he was uh, giving a charge to his son Emmanuel at his bar mitzvah. And I think Saul chose that message because that really is what he feels most deeply in his core about is, uh, is allowing the Torah to define everything uh, that we do. So I thank, again, Saul and Harbor Group for giving us the opportunity, particularly during this Yantav of Hanukkah, to allow the Torah here in the middle of the workplace perhaps to uh, illuminate and define all that, uh, all that we do. Um, I wanted to discuss um, the topic or the issue, the practice of lighting the menorah outside and what message that carries with it uh, for us as religious Jews uh, in a secular society in terms of what is our role and what is our responsibility. But in order to do that effectively, we need to take a, you know, a brief step back to understand and appreciate uh, perhaps what is the focus of the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah and perhaps what is the role that Pursume Nisa plays. So the Gemara tells us, over here, Os Aleph, the Gemara Mesech the Shabbos and Dav Chafalaf and Mebeis, in the middle of the first line, that the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah is Mishatish Kehachama Ashatich Leregel Men Ashuk. It's from the time that the, the sun set until there's no uh, more foot traffic in the marketplace. Sigmar asks, with regards to what is this statement relevant? The, the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah is Mishatish Kehachama Ashatich Leregel Men Ashuk. The first possibility that suggested at the beginning of the second line, is that it's telling us the window of opportunity that we have to fulfill the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah. The Elo Adlik Madlik, if you haven't lit in until now, you can light during this specific uh, window of time, from the time of sunset until Ad Shatich Regal Minashuk. The other opinion in the Gemara is that it's indicating or prescribing a certain amount of oil that we have to have in each candle, which is oil that can last, that can burn from the time of sunset until there's no more, uh, no more foot traffic in the marketplace. That's how much oil uh, one would have to have. How much oil is that? As we all know, is approximately a half an hour's uh, worth of oil. That's the uh, amount of oil they would have 
to last from the period of Shkias Hachama until Achetichle Regel Minashuk. So the Gemara has these two opinions, possibilities. What is this statement relevant for? The mitzvah of Nerchananga is Mishatishka Hachama Shetichle Regel Minashuk. Is this relevant in terms of indicating or limiting the mitzvah of Nerchananga to this specific window of time from sunset to about a half an hour? After sunset, when there was no more foot traffic in the marketplace, keeping in mind, of course, they didn't have street lights or even gas lamps. You know, so once the sun set, there was pretty much, a, you know, a, a, a curfew. It was not, you couldn't really get much else done. So about a half an hour after sunset, there was no more foot traffic in the marketplace. And one can only fulfill the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah uh, while there is still foot traffic in the marketplace. Or is the Gemara telling us, no, not a specific window of time that limits the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah, but rather how much oil one has to have in the candles in order to fulfill the mitzvah. And Tosos understood that these two uh, explanations and possibilities are at odds with one another. And there, in fact, uh, there's a machloikas. And the difference will be, can one light the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah, assuming that he has a half an hour's worth of oil, can he light it beyond the period of Atchetich Regal Menashuk? When there's no longer foot traffic in the marketplace, can you still fulfill the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah? According to the first answer in the Gemara, you cannot. The mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah is limited to that specific window in time while there's still foot traffic in the marketplace. And according to the second opinion of the Gemara, you can fulfill the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah beyond Tichle Regum and Ashuk as long as you have a half an hour's worth of oil. So Tesis claims if a person missed that window, he should light uh, Ne'er Hanukkah without a bracha, because according to one opinion of the Gemara, he would not be able to fulfill the mitzvah any longer. And that fundamentally is the same as the position of the Rambam. The Rambam, however, understood that these two answers of the Gemara are not uh, at odds with one another, contradictory, they are rather complementary. The Rambam explains that a person is limited in the window of opportunity to fulfill the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah, begins at Shkiyas HaChama, at sunset, and concludes at the time of Tichle Regal Ashuk. However, the Rambam understood that the amount of oil that you need is a function of how much time you have left until Tichle Regal Ashuk. The shear is uh, the amount of time you have to have oil that will last until the end of that zman. So if a person begins lighting at Shkia Sachama, he would need a half an hour's worth of oil. If he lit, let's say, Shkia Sachama nowadays, 4.30, so if he lit at 4.45, he would only need 15 minutes worth of oil until to get to, you know, they're not two independent answers. One is uh, advising or explaining the other. So there's a specific window of time where you can fulfill the mitzvah of Hanukkah, and you have to have, depending on where you light in that uh, window of time, you have to have the amount of oil that can take you to the conclusion of that period of time. So what emerges is something unusual for the Rambam, which is uh, not what we usually uh, assume, and that is that one can fulfill the mitzvah of Hanukkah even with only 15 minutes of oil, or 10 minutes of oil. If you lit at 4.45, you lit at 4.50, if Shkia is at 4.30, so all you need is the amount of oil that could get you to the conclusion of that window of time, Tichle Regal Menashuk, when there's no you know, more foot traffic in the marketplace, and one can fulfill the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah with 10 minutes of oil alone, as opposed to Tosas, you would always need a half an hour's worth of oil. But both Tosas and the Rambam agree <coughs> that this line in the Gemara should be taken at face value, and, uh, and that is that one can only fulfill the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah <coughs> between the window of time of Shkia Sachama and Ad Shetichle Regal Menashuk, uh, when there's no longer foot traffic in the marketplace. So that means you can only fulfill the mitzvah during the first half an hour after Shkia Sachama. Yeah. According to the second view, that it's talking about the shear of oil, yeah. what happens if it goes out in the middle? Is that totally in the same machloik or totally in Kafsa Zakuk? That's Kafsa Zakuk level. We assume Kafsa and Zakuk level. That's the whole context of the Gemara, yeah. Okay, so it costs as long as you put in half an hour of yeah, oil, even if it would less than only for one minute, that would be sufficient. 
Right? Yeah. However, this seems somewhat restrictive. However, we should keep in mind the opinion of the Ritva, which is the way that many assume, even though it's only the opinion of the Ritva, perhaps seems to be, perhaps, perhaps the opinion of the Ramah as well. If you look over here at the end of Osalof in the brackets, so the Ritva explains that this period of time of uh, foot traffic being found in the marketplace is not necessarily limited to a half an hour. It depends. Every place and every uh, time uh, you know, will be different. If there happen to be people found in the marketplace beyond the first half an hour, so then the window of time of opportunity to fulfill the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah has been expanded uh, as well. And perhaps this is already alluded to, even though it's only found explicitly in the Ritva, the Briskerov claimed that this is what the Rambam meant when the Rambam writes, if you look in the middle of the second line of the Rambam, he writes, V'kama huzman zeh, how long is the period between Shkiyas HaChama until Ashetich HaRegum and Ashuk, hu kemochatsi shah o yoser. It's about a half an hour, you know, or more. We would probably translate that one second. We probably translate that as, you know, more or less. More or less. But in halacha, we rarely have more or less. It either is or it isn't. So what does the Rambam mean, o yoser? He probably means at minimum a half an hour, but if there would be foot traffic found later, you know, in the marketplace, one could then, you know, that would expand the opportunity to fulfill Nehra Hanukkah. But the opportunity, yeah. whether is it possible in the hospital that we don't get the, the mitzvah if we have too little oil today? People don't come up till 8 o'clock, we light a shkia. Yeah. Is it possible in the Rambam Shita you need three hours of oil? Of course. Maybe you would have to live from shkia until all the way, which could be 11 o'clock, you know, depending where you live in the city that never sleeps. Yeah. But, but, uh, so how do you know you yotzei them? You probably, uh, there are some who take this Ramam to that extreme, that, that not only does it give me a window of opportunity to fulfill the Mitzvah Nehra Hanukkah with only a half an hour's worth of oil, I would need bowls of oil to light from Shkia Sachama all the way until Acha, what is practically Acha Ticha Regum and Ashok. You're 100% right, and there are those who are machmer like that. Most would assume that it's enough with a half an hour's worth of oil, because that's what it was in the times of the Gemara, but my window of opportunity to fulfill the Mitzvah uh, has been expanded. Okay, but if whenever it is in a person's vicinity, there is no more foot traffic found in the marketplace, both according to the Rambam and according to Tosvos, one cannot fulfill the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah at all, according to the Rambam, or at least with a bracha, uh, according to Tosvos. However, if you look at the Rashbah, the Rashbah, um, I gave it to you in the brackets, back at Osalif, the Rashbah disagrees. He says, come on, let's be reasonable. Doesn't mean that that's a hard, you know, deadline. What it means is that's the ideal time to light. But if one will not be able to light, but you know, before the end, you know, the combination of foot traffic in the marketplace, he could still fulfill, fulfill the mitzvah near Hanukkah even beyond that period of time. The Gemara meant to define what is the ideal time for lighting in order to publicize the miracle to the foot traffic in the marketplace. But if one will miss that window of opportunity, he could in fact fulfill it later. And the Rashba writes that it's no different than any other mitzvah that applies at night, where typically the mitzvah lasts the entire night, all the way until Allah Shachar, even though Kriyashma, let's say, we try and do before Chatzos, but if one will miss the cutoff of Chatzos, he continues to say Kriyashma, Davim Marib, all the way until Allah Shachar. So says the Rashba, it's no different than the Mishnah Mesechlis Megillah, which he quotes over there in the fifth line, Kol Shem Kasher You can really do it the entire night. And that's the opinion of the tour in Ois Gimel, the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch as well, that the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah should be lit at the time of Shkia Sachama. But if you miss that, because that's when you'll get, you know, 
the greatest publicity for the mitzvah, the greatest pirsum hanes, if you miss that window of opportunity, you can continue to light, albeit it's not the ideal, but you can continue to light with a bracha, you know, all the way perhaps until Alois HaShachar. No different than any other mitzvah that we encounter at night. Well, all the mitzvahs at night aren't totally in Pesim so of course you can go all night. But Correct. All mitzvahs with Pesim so why should we be able to go? Oh. So in the Sefer Kuntris Chanukah Megillah, which was written by one of the Talmudim of the Briskerov, he suggests that this hinges upon what role does Pesim play in the mitzvah of Ner Chanukah. As Ali just suggested, according to the Rambam and Taisvis, Pesim seems to be the very definition, the purpose of lighting Ner Chanukah in the first place is to publicize the miracle. And therefore, if you're, you know, you're going to write, uh, you know, person is limited uh, to that window of opportunity between Shkia Sachama and Tichla Regom and Ashuk, when, they, you know, when the foot traffic ceases to be in the marketplace. Beyond that, when there's no, you know, there's no more people in the marketplace, you accomplish nothing by lighting the mitzvah, you know, by lighting the Nech because you're not going to publicize the miracle to anyone. And the whole definition of the mitzvah, the focus, the purpose of lighting the Hanukkah is in order to publicize the miracle, so therefore one is limited by that specific window of time, which perhaps in our times expanded somewhat, but if whatever is the cutoff of where a person lives, he'd be limited by that, uh, by that window of time. However, according to the Rashba and according to the Tour, it seems to be that they define the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah differently. It's not only to publicize the miracle that clearly plays a role. However, the mitzvah is defined as lighting a menorah, zeichel to remind us of the miracle that took place of Allah HaMenorah in the Beis HaMikdash, and that is no different than any other mitzvah halayla, which begins in Shkia and continues all the way until Allah HaShachar. It's ideal to light it when you could gain Parsum Enisa as well, but that's an ancillary, that's a secondary concern. It is not the very definition of the mitzvah. This is perhaps, could explain why the Rambam and the Tur disagree about a subtle point, but very relevant, Practically, and that is when is the first time that one can light. So the Gemara said, Mishetishka hachama, from sunset, which literally means when the ball of the sun dips below the horizon. And that's the opinion of the Rambam. Look back at those bays. The Rambam says, At the time when the sun is setting. So now, you know, today, 4.30-ish, somewhere around there. The tour disagrees, and that's the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch as well, look at his gimel, mitzvasa misof shkiyasachama. That is, usually refers to tseisa kachavim, when there's no longer a light from the sun even peaking above the horizon. Not only is the ball of the sun dip below the horizon, there's no more light peaking above the horizon. Tseisa kachavim. That's when a person should light. So, so what emerges then is a, you know, an interesting uh, dilemma is that according to the Rambam, at least the way we you know, simply understood without our adding the ritva and our diok of Oyoser, according to the Rambam, a person is limited, conscribed to the first half an hour after Shkia Sacham in which to fulfill the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah. According to the Torah and the Shulchan Aruch, you can't even light then. By the time you're lighting for the Torah and the Shulchan Aruch, you've missed the entire window of opportunity for the Rambam to fulfill the mitzvah. So that's why throughout the generation, because you missed the first half an hour, so that's why throughout the generations there were many gedolim who couldn't, uh, you know, who, who, who were not happy with the fact that perhaps they were not fulfilling the mitzvah according to the Rambam, 
even though it's not the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch, and therefore they would light before Teisa Kachavim, somewhere either 10 minutes after the Shkia, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, different Gedolim and different practices, to somehow Chaparayin, at least a few minutes, according to the Rambam, and as we explained for the Rambam, you have that interesting uh, position that you don't necessarily need a half an hour in order to fulfill the mitzvah in their Hanukkah, if you even full, you know, have the amount of oil that could la- take you to the end of you can fulfill the mitzvah even with five minutes or even with ten minutes. So there's some who lit somewhere uh, in between in order to satisfy both opinions. But why should the Rambam necessarily feel that the mitzvah is at Shkia, sunset, and according to the Shur and the Shulchan Aruch, it's at Seis HaKochavim. So perhaps, again, this hinges on the way that they define the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah. According to the Rambam, the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah and Taisus is to publicize the miracle. That is the very definition, the focus of the mitzvah. And therefore, after Tichla Regum and Ashuk, he can no longer fulfill the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah. So then, if a person wants to publicize the miracle the best, lighting during the day will accomplish nothing. What is a candle going to do in a window in the middle of the day? But the minute that the sun sets, you can already begin to publicize the miracle, and a half an hour later, the traffic in the street already been severely diminished. So the Rambam felt the ideal time in which to publicize the miracle is Shkia, you know, for the following half an hour. However, according to the Torah and the Shulchan Aruch, the mitzvah is not focused or defined by publicizing the miracle of Pirsum Anais. That's a secondary concern. <laughs> the mitzvah is to light the menorah at night. Zecher, to what took place in the Beis HaMikdash. So if that's the case, it's no different than any other mitzvah's halayla. It continues the whole night, even beyond you could even do it to Allah Shachar. But then it should begin like all mitzvahs halayla, like Kriya Shema begins also at Tseisa Kachavim. So that's at the Torah and the Shulchan Aruch, perhaps, are of the opinion that the mitzvah begins at Tseisa Kachavim. However, the Rambam and Taisvis, at least their perspective, that the mitzvah is defined by Pir Simanes, presents us with a difficulty in uh, understanding another halach in the Gemara Mesech the Shabbos. That's what the is telling you. It has to tell you it's somewhere. That's what the Torah and Shulchan Aruch say. It means Tzaysa However, according to the Rambam and Taisus, we're going to have a difficulty interpreting another halach in the Gemara. The Gemara tells us, as we know, Over The mitzvah of is to place the menorah outside of our homes. If a person lives in a second-floor apartment that he doesn't have his independent doorway that's adjacent <coughs> to the foot traffic, then he should put it in the window. But <laughs> at the time of sakana, he places it on his table in his dining room, even not next to the window. No one outside will see it, and that's enough. What is shasa sakana? What does that mean? Usually interpreted as religious persecution. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, the Parsim, the Persians had a practice that a chayk biyoimedam, a rule on their holiday, shlo yaviru ner ela bebeis of adizar shalahem. All candles were only able to be burned in their houses of worship, not outside. And therefore, we uh, could not light outside; we had to light inside our homes. Was that a violation of their rule, their law, statute? Sounds like it was. So why were we doing it then? It's, uh, we're risking our lives in order to do Ne'er Hanukkah. Why we risk, it's not one of the three cardinal sins. Why are we risking our lives to do Ne'er Hanukkah? So the answer presumably is, because the Gemara tells him in the Sanhedrin, that Peshas Hashmad, at a time of religious persecution, a person has to give up his life for any one of the mitzvahs of the Torah. Perhaps even Ne'er Hanukkah. 
However, Tysus asks on Rashi, he says, one minute, this is not religious persecution. This is an oppressive law, but it's not directed against <coughs> Jews. It has nothing to do with Yidin. It has to do with they only made their middle rule. Candles can only be lit in their houses of worship. So therefore, Tysus says differently, look at the brackets in Oizdaud, Omeri, the Shasa Sakana, Sakana Zera Shegazu Shalola Havlik Nechanika. They made a specific legislation targeted at Ner Chanukah, not to light Ner Chanukah. So that's a Shasa Smad, a classic Shasa Smad. We have to risk our lives in order to fulfill any one of the mitzvahs of the Torah, and therefore they lit Ner Chanukah, not outside. That would be a direct challenge to the government, but they lit inside. However, the Ritva disagrees. And he says, no, a person doesn't have to risk his life for a mitzvah assay. Yes, at a time of religious persecution, you have to risk your life. That's for a mitzvah los assay. Not for a mitzvah assay. You don't have to risk your life for a mitzvah assay. How do you know that? Because we know the story of Elisha Baal Knafayim. Elisha Baal Knafayim was Elisha, the one with wings, because he was wearing tefillin at a time that they made a rule that one is not allowed to wear tefillin on the penalty of death. And he was caught wearing tefillin and he ran into an alleyway where he took the tefillin off and he put it in his hands. And the uh, authorities found him. They said, we saw you wearing tefillin. He said, no, I wasn't wearing tefillin. They said, oh yeah, what's in your hands? Open your hands. And he opened his hands and a bird uh, flew out. That's why we wrap our tefillin on either side of the bias, the ritzuis, in order to symbolize, to represent wings, to remind us of that nace that took place to Elisha Baal How was he able to take his tefillin off then? He should have, it was a time of religious persecution, should have given up his life rather than take off the tefillin. The answer, says the Ritva, is that one doesn't have to give up his life in order to fulfill a mitzvah saseh, even at a time of religious persecution. So if that's the case, says the Ritva, if this was really legislation targeted against the Jews on the penalty of death, we should have given up on the whole Nea Hanukkah. Why are we lighting it? We don't have to risk your life for Nea Hanukkah. So Ritva says, no, there was no penalty of death here. It was, they were going to give us a hard time. We're going to be Mitzaros. You know, give us a hard time. There was no, no, there was no threat, you know, mortal danger. And the Ritva concludes, because of that, we moved the Hanukkah inside. So it says the Ritva, whenever we're overly inconvenienced, we can move the Hanukkah inside. So Ritva quotes from the Ramban, if there's a heavy wind blowing, no problem, move the Hanukkah inside. That perhaps could help us understand the question, to answer the question of the Orzarua, who asks over here, Oisei, how is it that nowadays we, Baruch Hashem, do not live in a time of religious persecution? We are free to practice our religion here by the good graces of the American government. So why do we continue to light inside? Most of us should continue to we should light outside. That's the question of the Orzarua. So Chashokhan suggests, based on this comment of the Ramban that the Ritva quotes, that if there's a heavy wind outside, so we don't have to light outside. Ah, but you can buy a glass box. So it says the Ritva, uh, nah, nah, you don't have to buy a glass box. Kuli hai lo rabbonan. They were never matriachas so much to get a glass box. They were matriachas to fast, you know, Yom Kippur, Tishabah. They were matriachas to eat, you know, many kazesim of matzah. And all of a sudden here, the glass box, that's the line in the sand. So I believe that the answer is that according to the Ritva, one can fulfill the mitzvah equally outside as well as inside. So if it's overly, uh, you know, uh, burdensome or cumbersome or difficult to fulfill the mitzvah outside, so move, move it inside, even if it's windy outside. The Taisvis held, no, the only reason you can move near Hanukkah inside is if there's a Sarkhanis Nefashis. And Taisvis held, even for a mitzvah, say you have to give up your life, rather than uh, at a time of religious persecution. 
And the only reason they moved it inside was religious persecution. According to Taisvis, you can only move it in if your person's life is in danger. According to Ritva, no, it's a little stick on. It's it, we'll move it inside, no problem. Why, according to Taisvis, did it have to be a sarkonist and fush? According to the Ritva, it's just inconvenient. And we believe that it's according to the Ritva, it's following in the position of the Rash brother from the same school. And the Ritva's position is that the uh, pursue Meinis is not integral, it's not essential and indispensable to the mitzvah of Nehra Hanukkah. Nehra Hanukkah is defined by lighting a menorah, Zeichel and Ace. We would like to have pursue Meinis too, but that's an additional concern. So if you can't, the light outside is too, you know, too inconvenient, too difficult. Light inside won't fulfill the mitzvah equally in either place. However, according to the Rambam, according to Taisvis, the mitzvah of Nehra Hanukkah is defined by pursue Nisa. Uh, by publicizing the miracle. So outside, you know, you're really going to fulfill the mitzvah. You want to bring it inside, so there better be some legitimate, serious concern, even sakhanis nefoshis. That's what you need in order to move the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah inside. And therefore, according to Tyson, it wouldn't be enough that it's just inconvenient to light outside. It would have to be a serious concern of sakhanis nefoshis. However, now we're left with a problem. Now that we move the mitzvah of Hanukkah inside, how do we fulfill the mitzvah? According to Taisus and the Rambam. So the Rambam writes, <coughs> Nowadays we light inside. Uh, one doesn't have to be careful to light right away because the primary Pirsim Hanes nowadays is to the B'nai Habayis. There is a Pirsim Hanes, but instead of focusing on the audience outside, we focus now on the audience inside. And even though outside the ideal time is Ashkiyas HaChama, until Achetichler Regum and Ashuk, nowadays we were focused inside and the audience inside the house. So then that's the, one doesn't have to necessarily be careful to light Ashkiyas HaChama. Rabbi Yaakov suggested that perhaps, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky suggested in his comments, Emma Slyakov, that perhaps the ideal time to light in a house is when all of the family is around, the family that lights together stays together. So it's best to light when the family's around. So not a Shkia. Shkia, 4.30, no one's around. Or even at 5 o'clock, it says a Kochavim. Best to wait till the family's around and light together as a family where you'll maximize your Pirsim Hanes to the audience inside of the house. Yeah, but let's say, you know, there is no audience inside the house. So the Mishnah Brewer quotes from the Magen Avram, therefore you should really have to wake everybody up. If a person arrives late at home, you know, home late, you better wake up the people in the house up in order to make sure that he has an audience. Without Pirsim Hanes, according to Tzitz in the Rambam, you have no mitzvah. The whole mitzvah is to publicize the miracles. If you're lighting outside, you have that audience. If you're lighting inside, you have a different audience, but they better be up. However, the Sharatzian, he calls from the Chamed Maish, who disagrees. No, you don't have to wake up anybody. He said, how is it any different than a person who lives alone? A person lives alone. Nonetheless, the Gemara says, Put it on the table in the dining room, not adjacent to the window. No one's going to see it except you. And you fulfill the mitzvah. You don't have to wake up anybody. And that's how Rabbi Moshe Paskins in the Gorsh Moshe, you do not have to wake up anybody later at <laughs> night. Even though the Mishabur quotes the Magen Avram, you don't have to wake up anybody later at night. A minute, if that's the case, if that's the case, so where's your Pirsim Hanes? And according to the Rambam and Taisvis, that's the very definition of the mitzvah to publicize the miracle. But if no one's up, where's the Pirsim Hanes? Why isn't the Chalayim? No. You, you, the Gemara says, You're lighting it on your dining room table, no window. What if you don't have a good exposure? That's the third option, right? Yeah. Only you just a Sakana, but, but today, we, why? Why are we lighting it out inside Bechlau? Good question. And, but I'll ask you, but the Gemara says, But I'm asking you, at a time of Sakana, what if, according to the Rambam and Taisvis, how can we even move it inside? Even if your life is in danger, right? That's, that's the basic question. Even if your life is in danger, 
So what are we going to do? Move the mitzvah near Hanukkah inside. But you haven't tightness. You accomplished nothing. The whole mitzvah is to be part of the, to publicize the miracle. But by moving it inside, what mitzvah do you have? You lost. The whole mitzvah was to publicize the miracle. Now by placing it on your table, there's no publicity. So maybe if the B'nai Abayas are up, you have the audience of inside the house. But if you move it inside, you switch the, the audience. Window, then, then of course. Okay. But what about the Manichal Shulchan of Adayo? The Gemara said you could leave it on your dining room table. No one's going to see it. And the Sharetzian argues, and the Sharetzian argues that even if you're all alone in your house, and that's a Ramosha Paskins, there's no one else there. You fulfill the mitzvah. But how can you fulfill the mitzvah? Even if there is a Shasha Sakhan, you're fulfilling nothing by lighting inside your house. So the Sefer Kuntus Chanukah Megillah quotes from the Briskerov that it must be that the mitzvah changes b'shasa sakana. B'shasa sakana, you can fulfill the mitzvah even without pir samanes, publicizing the miracle. Even without publicizing the miracle. Even without publicizing the miracle. So therefore the Rav said if you were inside and there was no publicity and you have the opportunity later, you have to light outside because you really haven't fulfilled the main mitzvah. Why is it then that we continue to light inside in our times? So Briskarov suggests that those who do so are assuming that once the mitzvah changed, the mitzvah changed even uh, subsequently, even moving forward, even when there isn't a time of religious persecution, we now light inside. Not only for the publicity of the B'nai Abayas, but even if there is no publicity to others at all. The mitzvah changes, and a person can fulfill it without any audience at all. And this is based on the comments of the Balo Eater, where the Balo Eater writes, Vishasa Sakana Menichal Shachana Vidayo, Omeacha Shenagua Sakana Nahagu. Once they established that practice, that became the practice subsequently as well. And that's the argument of the Dvar Yoshua, Dain Ehrenberg, who used to be the Dain in Tel Aviv, writes in his Chuvis, the Dvar Yoshua. That's why the practice of Klaus Yisrael has continued to lie. The many within Klaus and Eretz still, the many right outside. But uh, our practice is to continue to lie inside because we assume that from the time of Shasa Sarkana, the mitzvah changed. Previously, it was to publicize the miracle that perhaps was indispensable and integral. But after Shasa Sarkana, the mitzvah changed, and now we no longer have to publicize the miracle. Even if there's no audience, a person can fulfill the mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah by Manichal Shulchan of Adayo. And once the mitzvah changed, it changed even at times that it's not Shasa Sarkana. It's a little counterintuitive because uh, Hanukkah is based on religious persecution and celebrating back then. And now with many religious uh, persecution, they create a mitzvah. I hear you. I'll ask a better question. How could it be a mitzvah changes? Since when do mitzvahs change? How do mitzvahs change? How do mitzvahs change? It was one mitzvah, now it's a different mitzvah. It's very unusual. Very unusual. I believe that the mitzvah has not changed. However, the same, it's the same message. <coughs> Just the vehicle changed. The vehicle through which we accomplish that message has changed. Because who is the audience that we're publicizing the miracle to? So if you look at the Gemara Masech, the Shabbos, the Gemara says, when is this period of Ajatich HaRegel Menashuk concluded? When the Tar Mudoi were no longer found in the marketplace. Who are these Tar Mudoi? So the Rif explains, Tar is wood, and these are the wood salesmen. They were known as Tar Mudoi, but they might even be Jewish. However, Rashi explains, no, they were from a certain place in Syria known as Tarmuda, and they were non-Jewish salesmen, merchants. 
And therefore, they were called tarmudoi. They might have been selling wood as well, but it wasn't limited to the wood salesman. And therefore, they were presumably not Jews. And writes of Chaim Kinevsky in his Sefer Time of the Crow, the other parishes of Yeshiv, in his comments on Hanukkah, that you see from this Rashi that the mitzvah Persume Misa extends to non Jews uh, as well. It wasn't limited to Jews. The mitzvah was perhaps primarily directed. Adekalia Rigla the Talmudoi was perhaps pre- directed towards non Jews. Now that would be unusual because we have other mitzvahs that entail Persume Nisa, Purim, there's Persume Nisa, Dalit Kaisis. This Persume Nisa. We never encountered uh, a notion to exp- extend that Persume Nisa to non Jews. That's limited to those that are Seder, to those in Shul with us at the time of Kriya Samagillah. It was never advantageous, so we never advocate for, you know, to expand that, uh, our audience, to non Jews. Why is it on Hanukkah that we are specifically, perhaps, directing our Persume Nisa not to the Jews, but uh, to the Tarmudoi in the marketplace? So Yerucham Olshin suggests in the Sefer Yerach L'mayadim that perhaps it's because um, <clears throat> the Yavanim, as we know, uh, threatened Kalish from a different way than we were threatened during the Nase of Purim, during uh, times of Pesach, Yitzhiyas, Mitzrayim. Here we were not threatened with annihilation, but with assimilation, as we say in Al-Anisam L'Ashkicham, Tehrasecha, Ulaviram Mechukai Ritzonecha. That it was an existential threat and of annihilation, but of assimilation. But they were not only opposed, you know, to Yiddishkeit, Bifrat, specifically. Their opposition was to all monotheistic religions. We were the only monotheistic religion that existed at the time. All the other ones developed later. However, they were opposed to the fundamentals of a monotheistic religion. They believed in a pagan system which worshipped Teva, that worshipped nature. And there was nothing beyond that which they could sense or that which they could touch. In fact, the letters of the word Yavan, noted in the past, have no depth to them. It's a Yud, Vav, and Nun. It's entirely superficial. That which I could see, that which I could touch with my senses, that was what they worshipped. They worshipped nature. And therefore, if you flip the page, the Gemara tells us in Masechlis Rosh Hashanah, they were opposed to dating documents with the name, you know, with the, from the time of the creation of the world because they were opposed to that kind of religion Entirely, not necessarily to Yiddishkeit specifically. And the Ramban explains in his comments on Parshish Achrimos that Yavan, again, was focused on that which they could sense, that which they could touch. They worshipped nature itself. Therefore, suggests Rabbi Rucham, that perhaps all of the, uh, the Greek uh, threat of assimilation was not directed at Klal Yisrael, but to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence within the world. And therefore, part of our role and Hanukkah, of being Mepharsim Denes, is to restore HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence in the world. That's what we're attempting to accomplish by being Mepharsim Denes, is not uh, locally within the Jewish community, but to rehabilitate or to, to restore that which the Yavanim threatened, which was HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence, a monotheistic presence within the world. And that's what we are attempting to accomplish through lighting the menorah, specifically outside, when the, as long as the non-Jews are in the marketplace, is to publicize the ethics and the morals and the values of monotheistic religions in general. However, that's only if the uh, outside world, and that's why it's, it's different than Purim and Pesach. However, that's only not Bishasa Sakana. Bishasa Sakana here perhaps refers to uh, the outside society being interested in our influence and being interested in hearing that message. 
But if even if it's not limited necessarily to a time of religious persecution, but it's a shasas akana in the sense that they're not looking to us uh, to publicize monotheistic values to the rest of the world. They're not ready to hear that message from us, which I think would extend to our times as well. Then we move the Ner Hanukkah inside. How could the mitzvah have changed? What about our mission of pursuing Nisa, of publicizing Kaddish Baruch Hu's presence in the world at the time of Hanukkah? I believe that the focus of Ne'er Hanukkah is now on the person who's lighting the menorah himself. It's on us. In what sense? It's reminding us that we have that role ourselves through our actions to serve the same role as the menorah. To publicize HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence in the world by being, uh, by leading through example, through our own actions, we are serving the purpose of Halakas HaMenorah outside. So instead of lighting the menorah outside and overtly publicizing the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world, we, through example, through our own actions, have to take that uh, responsibility ourselves as we encounter the outside world and through our own actions and interactions with non-Jews, to publicize the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in that way. So therefore, the Hanukkah Menorah is to remind us of that role and responsibility, and that's why, and with the meaning of lighting the Hanukkah Menorah indoors uh, nowadays. It's not the same message, but perhaps it's accomplished uh, in a different way and directed at a slightly uh, different audience. And this is really our role uh, throughout the year uh, entirely, is to serve that kind of role of leading by example. The Gemara tells us in Mesech Tz Chagiga, one is not allowed to teach Torah to non-Jews. In most rendivrei Torah l'nachri, as the pasuk says, "Magid varv liYaakov, chukav u'mishpatav liYisrael, lo yasachen l'cholgoi u'mishpatim ba'al yadom." So we're not saying mishpatim ba'al yadom; they don't know our mishpatim. Because Hashem communicates chukav u'mishpatim with Kal Yisrael, but our mishpatim are unknown to them. We're not allowed to teach them Torah. What about the Sheva Mitzvahs b'nei Noach? So Taisa says that, of course, they are allowed to learn, and we have a responsibility to teach them. So it says, Ika mitzvah, mitzvah Ika l'maisra lahem. a mitzvah to teach it. The Marsha says that only means the basic principles, not the reasons underlying the mitzvahs. And he has a beautiful diak from the Pasuk, because the Pasuk says, Magid varv liyakov, chukav mishpatav liyisrael. Hashem teaches us, chukim and mishpatim, chukim are things we don't understand, mishpatim are those things that we do understand. But to the nachrim, umishpatim bal yedoum. They don't know mishpatim. They don't know reasons for things. All they know is chukim. That they do know. They know they have to keep the Shavu Mitzvah without perhaps a deep understanding of it. And lo yasechein, chein, it's gematria 70, gematria sowed, says the that they don't know. Sowed, the reasons for things, is uh, unknown to them. All they are supposed to keep is the seven Mitzvahs b'nei Noach in a superficial fashion. However, he's alone in that position. The Mi'iri disagrees. That no, when it comes to the Sheva Mitzvahs b'nei Noach, we have to teach them everything. The basic Mitzvahs, the reasons that underlie it, and the morals and the values that are implied by them, by the Sheva Mitzvahs b'nei Noach. That they're required to accept and to embrace all of it. They have to understand the Bi'iyun. And many uh, accept the approach of the Me'iri because when it comes to other mitzvahs of the Torah, we can explain things in a superficial and external fashion to non-Jews. A non-Jew asks you, what is the Yantam of Sukkot about? We know that he's allowed to explain it to him. We're allowed to, that's what the Torah says. That's why we celebrate Sukkot during Tishrei, lest someone ask us what it's about. So we know basic, superficial, you know, things about Yiddishkeit we can explain, even when it's nothing to do with the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. <laughs> so when it has to do with the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, clearly we have to explain even the deeper meanings behind it. 
And the Rambam, as well, in Paraches of Hilchus Malachim, explains that we have a responsibility to adjudicate the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. And the Sefer Chassidim continues in Oiz Tezayin that we have a responsibility if we see one of the Umas HaOlam not keeping to the standards of the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, to inform him um, you know, that he's, he's doing improperly. Not because of the mitzvah that's limited to Klal Yisrael, it's an interpersonal mitzvah, but as an educational role to explain to him that this does not conform with his responsibilities as a Ben Noach. Yeah, but no one's doing this. We don't have Yubavich. lunch and learns. Oh, oh, we're not doing this. We're, we're, we're shirking this responsibility. What happened to this? So Ramayusha is quoted over here, Maseris Ramayusha, which is a kind of biography of Anhagas of Ramayusha. Ramayusha was asked by a woman who had a relationship with certain B'nai Noach and was in an opportunity to explain some of the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach to them. Ramayusha says she should explain them. That's what she should do. However, Ramayusha says to publicly advocate on behalf of the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, that's reserved for a time of Yemois Mashiach. That's not for now while we find ourselves in the diaspora. We, uh, we, we would not advocate for, uh, for enforcing the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, even though the Ramam tells us we have a mitzvah to adjudicate the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. We have no interest in imposing that kind of legislation as long as we're in the Golos. That's reserved for Yemois Mashiach. Lubavitch has taken on that role, but I believe that perhaps that fits in line with Lubavitch's uh, position and posture with regards to Yemosha Mashiach in general, that they are trying to hasten it by acting as if it's already come. But Ramayusha claims that in our times we should not publicly advocate on behalf of the Sheva Mitzvah Ben Of course, we have to advocate for ourselves in lobbying politically, you know, and what that, that requires, but lobbying on behalf of the Sheva Mitzvah Ben as a responsibility to a larger society, that we should not do that's reserved for Yomosa Mashiach. But what about this obligation to educate the Sheva, to educate Umas Ha'alim and the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach? So I believe that the answer is that we fulfill that obligation by example, by embodying what ethical and moral uh, Jews, those, those principles of the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, and espousing them through our actions, that itself is what educates society around us, and through that we fulfill our role, as the Navi Yeshaya describes it, as an Orla Goyim, as a light, as a role model unto the nations of the world, and perhaps that's what a Chilul Hashem and a Kiddush Hashem is really all about in the eyes of the non-Jews, is about uh, embodying uh, the role and the messages and the, the values of the Torah, and through our actions demonstrating HaKadosh um, Baruch presence in the world. And that educates society around us, but also, uh, also restores the Kaddish Baruch Hu's presence to the world and is one of uh, the responsibilities, perhaps, that we're reminded of on Hanukkah by lighting the Hanukkah menorah inside the house. is to remind us of that role and that responsibility to be Mekadeh Shem Shamayim, if not overtly, uh, you know, through pub- uh, publicity, but rather by publicizing it subtly uh, through our actions and serving as role models in that regard. Uh, the Hanukkah, of course, is celebrated on the 25th of Kislev. The number 25, Chavhei, the Lashem writes in the Sefer Klalim, corresponds to the word R. Why? Because the word R is the 25th word found in the Torah. By he R. So therefore, the number 25 corresponds to R. In fact, by Yehi, Yehi is also Yud, Hey, Yud, is Gematria 25, which also represents R. Perhaps because in the Yontav of Hanukkah, which is celebrated on the 25th of Kislev, we're reminded of our responsibility to be an Or Lagoyim, 
to be role models, not overtly and uh, through publicity, but rather subtly through our actions, but leading by example to be more role models for society at large to fulfill our role as the Yama Nivchar to be an Orla Goyim. There are also 25 letters in the Pasuk Shema Yisrael, Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad, because our primary role as, uh, as, uh, as uh, examples for the Umas Hayom society around us is to remind them of the presence of the Rebbeinu Shalalam in this world. And therefore, it's Gematria, uh, the 25 letters uh, in the Shema. F- interestingly, Kayhein right, is Chav Hei and Nun. So some suggest because it's also Chav Hei is 25, which is, uh, reminds us, the number 25 reminds us it's R, because they are supposed to serve as role models for the Nun, which is the number of letters in the names of the 12 Shvatim. They're supposed to serve as role models for Klal Yisrael. Ko Nun. However, we have a responsibility to serve as role models, which we're reminded of on Hanukkah, which is celebrated on the 25th day of Kislev, of our role model, that we are supposed to be or Lagayim role models uh, unto the world. In the kinos of Tishabov, you might remember <coughs> that uh, we have a kina that breaks up the word Eicha into Eiko. Where is the Ko? So some suggest that perhaps it's because on Tishabov we were lamenting the fact that we forgot about our, our uh, responsibility to be role models to the rest of the world. The ko is missing, that 25, which alludes to the word R, which reminds us to be an Arlagoyim, uh, has been lost to us. We forgot about that responsibility. But perhaps if we're reminded about that responsibility on Hanukkah, which is celebrated on Ko Kislev, on Chafei Kislev, Mir Tashem, we should be zaycheh to see uh, the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash and the lighting of the Menorah uh, once again, Yushalayim, Bimher Amen. Amen. Thank you. So if anybody wants more food, dessert, we're going to start with the birthday and the birthday.